When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Content Creator's Guide. This is a place where we expand our knowledge on what it takes to be successful in an ever-expanding world of content creation. Join me as I sit down with individuals sharing their success stories and tips that help them get over the hurdles they faced on their journey to creation success. All right, let's create. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Content Creators Guide. I will be your host today, Patrick Conway, also known in other circles as Jaxus. First, I would love to ask you if you'd please like and subscribe, maybe write me a little review or something. Did you know that out of the 88 million people that listen to videos and stuff like that, 83% of those don't do anything. They just watch the video and move on. That's like 15 million people are the only ones that are actually bothering to go and say hello and hi. If you could, please hit hello, hi. Know, write me a review today we'll be talking once again to the host why did i say the host you're the creator <laughs> you created this thing the creator of the modus files which is now over a hundred thousand downloads and climbing and going better than ever uh please welcome lawrence mcnamara thank you very much very happy to be here I was like, I hope he doesn't just wave. That's no, not going to no, work no, out no. very well in podcast form. <laughs> no, no. And that's the, uh, you know, that's the unfortunate side effect of our COVID quarantine last three years is that everybody's so used to being on Zoom and everything that it's right. the the standard hand wave, like, hello and goodbye, which everybody can see you, but you're right. In an audio format, it does not come across. So. No, not really. No. But at the same time, I mean, of course, I bet you everybody's probably giggling right now going, man. Patrick just stuttering all over his stuttering, stuttering all over his words right now. It's like, yes, I think I drank too much coffee. I think I'm a little bit on zoom, zoom, zoom mode. So I'll just try to slow things down a little bit. All right, ah, calm down a little bit. So how you doing, Lawrence? Doing well. It's the end of the week for me while we're recording this, so I'm I'm very happy. All right, all right, cool. So today, um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to kind of dig in on something that you're an expert of, and that's writing a radio drama. And or radio drama story, this could apply to any kind of story writing elements. So if you're really, uh, you know, an aspiring writer or whatnot, this would be a good time to tune in, especially if, you know, you're struggling. Let's say you've got a core idea in your head and you, you know, you've got this like little, little nugget of an idea and you don't know where to go with it. We're going to try and get some answers to those questions. So I'm going to start Lawrence with, um, when starting a new story, what is the first uh, what do you do first when you've got that core idea or that concept? What's, what, what, what do you go from there? So it's a different process for, for different people, obviously, but I found the most successful way to handle it is that once you have an idea is just to start getting ideas down on paper. So if you are working on a computer, open up Word, open up Google Docs, whatever it is that you have, and start writing. The name of your character. What is that character like? What's their favorite food? Uh, what is What are some of the core ideas that you're trying to get across? So it's really more of, at that point, stream of consciousness because you've got this idea in your head and you are trying to form it into something. The best way to do that is to put something physical in front of you that you can start looking at. So I'll give you a great example. So when I first started writing the Modus Files and the Modus Files started originally as just a character guide, it wasn't going to be anything other than what is my character. So that's how I took it. It was where was this character born? You know, what was their favorite pet? What you know, what did they eat? 
and just taking those little details and starting to stitch them together. Kind of like start... a backstory for an RP kind of thing. Exactly. And, oh. and, and if you think about any story, it, you know, look at any novel and you have 20, 30, 40 characters. Every author has to understand who those characters are, how they're going to react. So when they write the story, the actions that you hear in your head, you know, when, so when you read a Stephen King book or you read Tom Clancy, Larry Bond, like, like any of the popular authors, all of them had to start somewhere. And usually it starts with really word vomit. It's put everything down in front of you that you can think of in your head and then start picking out salient points. So there's a lot of stuff that I write around characters that will never make it into the podcast that barely make it onto the page, but they determine what that character does down the road. So I would say that the first thing that you have to do is literally just start writing. And it's not even bullet points. It's really just sentences. My character does this. My character was born here. Uh, my character does not do this. Because that's something I think a lot of people don't realize is that as a fleshing out a character, even before you begin begin the story, you have to begin to understand what that character will do and what they won't do. Like a, you know, I'll give you an example, like my character of Colonel Valeria. She will not swear. She will, that's just one of the things she she never learned. It was never appealing to her. So she just doesn't do it. What a now, is that a Lily. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To Lilith, obviously, who, yeah, well, I mean, she eats people. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of <laughs> right. A, uh, but I would say from, so if you're going to start a story, the first thing is, is that you have to understand who your characters are. And what I find is that actually, once you help, once you start to define those characters, it begins to define how the story goes. Because in some cases, I've actually had an idea for a story. But once I actually started to develop the characters, I realized well, my character wouldn't necessarily do that. So the structure of the story changes to actually accommodate the attributes of the character that I've created. So I would say that one of the most important things when you are starting this process is not necessarily to get caught up in plot lines and the narrative. It's more about developing compelling characters. And so that's where you have to breathe life into what is functionally nothing. You know, you are literally providing or, or you are acting as the creator. You take a lump of clay and you are molding that into a person that is going to represent some ideal in your story, some plot line, some part of that. But if you're going to accomplish that, that character has to be believable. Even if it's somebody that shows up for a couple of paragraphs, you know, is that a character that makes sense? Is it something, you know, are they doing something that is, you know, quote unquote, realistic? So I would say that the first thing you want to do is actually create a portfolio of characters. You know, you may not use most of them, but you've got six, seven, eight, maybe a dozen characters that you can pull from. Sometimes they become more. Sometimes you might actually combine two characters and say, oh, well, I really like the attributes of this character, but I need this. Okay, well, I'm going to take these two characters and I'm going to put them together. And then you flesh out the backstory of that character. <laughs> like an evil scientist. <laughs> right, right. That, 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 that's really what it is. And, and, and again, I can speak from my own personal experience that every single plot line and the story that I've created developed from the way the characters became themselves. So hmm. you have these characters... Then you have the germ of an idea. So in this case, we're going to drop them in post-apocalyptic Appalachia. What are they going to do? Well, if you haven't developed the characters, you have no idea. You know, you can artificially kind of push them along. But if you have a character that is living, breathing, who understands their environment, has a backstory, has a motivation, suddenly now the, the story starts to write itself. So, for, in yeah, so for instance, let's take... You know, and I'll give you a perfect example. So Valeria, who is my main character, was born in the vault, was raised by two military parents who trained her to follow in their footsteps. Suddenly, you put her into a post-apocalyptic environment. Well, how is she going to react? Well, she is going to try to find, you know, she's going to try to follow her mission. She is going to try to organize and of course, you know, then the story develops from there. 
Lilith, on the other hand, science experiment, psychotic. You put her in a post-apocalyptic environment, she's going to act completely differently. So you have these divergent storylines that suddenly start to develop, and then you bring them together, and then the dynamic between those two characters also starts to write that story. Now, that's not to say that you don't have to have an overarching narrative. So I think maybe we we pivot. So so let me let me tie a bow on, on character development. So my recommendation to anybody that's a budding author, whether you're writing short stories, a novel, an audio drama, a screenplay, is that you have to build your characters like you would build yourself. Put yourself in their shoes. Give them life. Give them a motivation. Give them a backstory. Give them likes dislikes and that suddenly now becomes a tentpole so once you've had once you've developed your characters now all of a sudden you look at your breadth of characters that you have what's your idea of a story okay well the story is going to start from what's the environment that they're in you know is are they going to be in an inner city are they going to be in the country is it the future is it the past so you build this narrative around your characters which and the narrative actually becomes the world so that's the world in which they inhabit. Mm -hmm. What do you want to accomplish? Well, I want to tell the hero's journey. I want a character that starts with nothing, goes through a lot of trials and tribulations. They suffer. They have victories. They have defeats. But then they achieve some great thing. So that's your... So think about um, Lord of the Rings. Lord of Actually, the Rings that's very... been done with Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Uh, right. there, there's an actual uh, thing that's like a yeah. character arc that's set up. I, I I've seen something on that before. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's called the hero's journey. That's that's yeah, the okay. you know that that's the whole concept. The hero's journey starts with someone who starts from nothing and achieves greatness. So if you have a character and you can run them through that hero's journey, now that's not to say that it's a trope. It's not it's not something that people avoid because you see it everywhere. I mean, it's in mass media. It's in books. It's in plays. But if that's what you're trying to accomplish, again, that starts with a character, and then you want to take them to do something great, but they have to exist in a world. So I would say that step one is build your characters. Step two is build the world. What is this world that they inhabit? Now, again, a lot of this is just ideas on paper. It is, this is Earth. This is the year, you know, well, in our case, it's 2103. Nuclear war has happened. Great. Okay. This is this is the world in which they live in. You build this environment. You stick your characters in it. Then you start to think of okay, what is my overall? What is the art overarching narrative that you're trying to accomplish? Is it the hero's journey, or is it something else? You know, are they are they trying to accomplish something? Are they, um, you know? And again, it it depends for it, it depends on what you're going to do for different people. But that's you need to create the world that your character is going to exist in. And you can have Once the you... ultimate arcs in there, right? Like you can oh, yeah. have the, like, so the hero's journey. And then over that, you could have like the over like good, good versus evil storyline element, mm -hmm. you know, behind that. And then, mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I'm kind of seeing going on here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I would also say too that, and, and this maybe ties the two together, which is, so you have your characters and in some cases you have your, your good guys over here you actually want to try to develop something that your characters are going to come in conflict with. So that's the, any great story, excuse me, has some measure of conflict. Now, are they, is the conflict with the world? So in, in some cases it may just be survival. So let's just take an example of a post-apocalyptic wilderness. There's no quote unquote bad guys. There is the environment that your characters are trying to survive in. So maybe that's the story. They are trying to survive and thrive in a bad environment. Maybe they are rebels. They are rebelling against some authoritarian power. And that's where, that's actually your Star Wars story. You've got your rebels, you've got your authoritarian power, uh, but then, you know, turn, it's on, turn on its head. Maybe it's you are actually the government or the this authoritarian power, and you're actually trying to fight against people that want to tear that down. So... That's really kind of at its peak, how you then start to define the conflict of the story. Then you almost kind of come back around to the character development phase, because then you want to make sure that you're, because um, you have your protagonist, you want your antagonist. So who are they going to be coming in conflict with? Conflict with, And that's when you actually kind of go through that process again, 
and you want to develop very compelling multi-dimensional villains. You know, you do not want mustache twirling one-dimensional stormtroopers. That just doesn't work. <laughs> um, it's not interesting. No one cares. Um, it's been done a hundred times before. So I would say that you want to put your characters in conflict with something or someone that is actually a challenge because you never want to make it an easy button. Your story should not be, it is preordained that my characters are always going to win. They will never face any challenge they cannot overcome and they will ultimately arrive as the victor. You are telling a journey through your story. And just like our lives today, not everything is wine and roses. They will have good days. They will have bad days. The most compelling stories get down to that more granular focus on this person is a human being. They're not perfect. They have faults. They will make mistakes. That's actually where more of the drama comes in because then you have actual real human being, more human emotions in what's going on. And I know that when I write, I always look at it as things aren't going to be perfect. You know, bad things yeah. are going to happen. How are my characters going to react to that? So I always said, you know, it's not what happens to you. It's how you react. That's what makes a person. So I get that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so I think, and all of this again is really more of, so you haven't even really begun to tell the story yet. This is more about building out that guide. It's almost like a, well, I mean, I'll, I'll drill it down. It's actually to make it even easier. It's like an FAQ, frequently asked questions. This is the, you know, five or six page list of motivations, environment, who's the protagonist, who's the antagonist, what are they trying to accomplish? And that's like, yeah, the synopsis, that's your yeah. overarching goal. And then when you're actually sitting down to write, think of it as chapters. And even if you're doing a screenplay or, you know, an audio, audio play like I'm doing, you still have to think about it as chapters. Each chapter builds on the next one. So if you're telling the story of one character, it's a little bit easier. It's a linear story. There's ups, there's downs, and you can move that character forward. But if you have multiple characters, sometimes you actually have to have multiple branches. So you start writing these chapters almost in parallel. So character A is following one path, character B is following another path. They will intersect. Other times they'll, they'll move apart. But then you start telling the story in a sequential fashion. And you're going towards the ultimate goal. And that is just, just from an organizational perspective, that I think works better that you because at the end of the day you may have an ultimate goal but where you get there might change as you write so once you've got everything you sit down in front of your computer and in some cases you just start writing what's your character doing today they got out of bed what happens next oh there's a knock at the door who's at the door what kind of conversation do they have what's the purpose of that conversation why did that person come to that house and knock on that door and then all of a sudden, now you start seeing these little threads of a story start to develop. That was part of, of my next question was going to be about, you know, do you make a long game outline or do you just kind of like go with a main theme and then kind of add to it as you go along and see where that takes you? So that's kind of what you're getting at there. Yeah. So what I would, what I would say is if you're really adventurous, write the last chapter of your story first. That way you know where you're going. How do you, yeah, where are you going? Now, that's the, now, now, will that ending be static? Not necessarily. You may change some details. Characters may end up in a different situation. But if you know where you're going, then everything else suddenly now is open to you. Because you can take, you know, what is, I'll give you a perfect example. And this is actually a great way to start. Your character wakes up. It's, it's literally the opening scene is your character rolls out of bed. What happens? Well, what's their habits? Do they go get a cup of coffee? Do they walk their dog? Do they, you know, whatever happens in that first few minutes after they get out of bed. And then literally there's a knock on the door. And then mm -hmm. from there, it's literally wide open as far as where you want to take it. Gives you a break. Because, gives you that moment. 
Yes. Yeah. But it gives you that moment to establish the character and little things in that first, I would say three or four paragraphs define who that character is. <laughs> so that's why that work that you did before in, in developing who that character is, when you sit down and write, you know what happens. You know what their favorite food is. You know what they do for breakfast. You know what that morning routine looks like. You know so how you, they're going to react to whatever situation comes along. Right. Well, and yeah, then when there's got the personality. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So from there, so so it's a very kind of, it, it's a very, uh, it's a microcosm of the story that you want to tell. But the first thing you have to do is introduce that character in a way that people begin to understand their motivations. Because you understand, as the author, what that character is going to do. You know how they're going to react. But if if something happens and suddenly that character does something completely out of left field, like, I'll give you another example. There's a knock at the door. My character goes to the door, opens it, sees the person, and shoots them. Why? Where did that come from? Now that That's crazy. At that point, I'm kind of like, well, I don't care about this character. Like, that, like, like that doesn't make any sense. So that's where you have to look at it as when you're developing this, it's it, it's where that slow burn comes. It's why there's always kind of that act one, act two, act three uh, narrative arc, where the first thing is you're developing characters, you're letting the you're letting your audience know because that's the other thing I think a lot of authors forget is that you're writing for an audience. These people are going to look at your work, and they have to get an insight into your mind without actually knowing what's in your mind. And that has to come out in your writing. So you have to be able to describe motivation in a way so that, let's just say it's an audio drama. Six episodes later, something happens and your character reacts a certain way. And everybody's like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yep. Mm. Saw that coming. That's like who that, they are. That's that's exactly. And, and I think that's where people get so caught up in the fact that they're writing a story, not people think that they're writing a story no what you're writing is the journey of your characters the narrative arc is that story but it's the characters that are actually going to tell that story for you it's because... funny how i was driven to like do this and i was going to do certain specifics which i'm still going to do certain elements but i was going to do a, a completely another episode on just um on character development and it seems to me that the story creation and character development are so synonymous with one another that you can't really separate the two. I don't think you can because it's the, the characters have to make sense within the context of the story that you want to tell. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you watch John Wick, if John Wick was a nobody who suddenly was attacked by gangsters and they killed his dog, and then, and then he becomes a super, you know, then he goes out and he kills them. And you're like, well, wait a second. He was a nobody. Why, why, why does he have all this skill and everything? But no, they set it up that he appeared to be nobody. But then they told this wonderful backstory of the fact that he was actually an assassin. He had all these skills, but he had given them up for a reason. I mean, if you, that whole first act of John Wick is nothing but setting him up as a character. Right. And 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 now they they reverse it a little bit because then you had the you don't know who he is when he gets attacked you just know he's a grieving uh, grieving widower you know his wife left him this dog and then he gets assaulted <laughs> and, and he's like, like total ninja mode what? yeah and then he goes ninja <laughs> mode but it was but the, before that happened they then introduced there's that conversation with Vigo and his son where Vigo actually introduces John Wick as a character. And that's where you have this wonderful arc of his own character development without John Wick actually doing anything. And I think that's a great literary mechanism to use. Now, I again, I would recommend for most people, spend time grounding your characters. Let your audience get to know them. Who are they? What do they do? What do they like? What do they don't like? And then at that point, start to introduce dramatic elements. Because then you've grounded them in a world. So when something happens to them, the audience can understand why it's happened and how that person is going to react to them. So that's really step one. So as we've kind of talked about character development, we talked about world development. I, I, I want to go more into overall story development. Okay, so 
real quick, we're going to take a quick uh, break. We'll be right back. And when we do, we're going to get into story development. All right, guys, be right back. I'm your host, Maverick Stone. It's me, Gingerino42. I'm Roman. Hey, this is Sassy Lady. And I'm Jaxus. And we, we are the Fallout Rounding. Join us as we explore various topics from the Fallout universe brought from multiple perspectives. We can be found on your favorite podcatchers from Spotify to iTunes. Or follow us on Twitter at FalloutRTB or our email FalloutRTB at gmail.com. Be sure to rate, follow, and subscribe. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the message. Uh, we're going to get back into story development here. This stuff is so compelling. I didn't want to stop anything, but don't right. where were we at? I'm sorry. So, <laughs> no, no. So, uh, so you, so what we've talked about already is your, you've developed your characters, you've created your world, you've started to develop antagonists and protagonists. Now you actually want to go into, okay, now what kind of story do I want to tell? And how do I tell this story? So great thing for anyone that's gotten this far is that you've already set the foundation for what you want to build from. So we've spent that time. We poured the concrete. At this point now, we're going to build the frame. Then we're going to put on the drywall and we're going to furnish the house. That's conceptually what it is when you tell a story because you've had each of these individual pieces created and now you're going to start putting it together in a way that you're audience is going to understand where you're going they're going to feel compelled to continue to listen or read and it's going to make sense when that story actually concludes so how do you do all of that as a as an author first thing that i do is i actually start writing that typical day but then i start throwing in dramatic elements so i understand the conflict that i'm trying to create how do i do that and in some cases, it's that knock on the door. Other cases, it may be a fight in a bar. It could be a person at the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe it's a person at the right place at the right time, depending upon who your characters are. What is it that's going to put them in conflict with the power that they have to defeat? Because at the end of the day, when you're telling a story, it's usually you have side A, side B, good guys, bad guys. The good guys want to defeat the bad guys. How does that conflict develop? And then you want to tell it in stages so much that you can develop a dramatic arc. You can resolve conflict. When you resolve the first conflict, you then lead to the second conflict, which then leads to the third conflict. So think of it as a, um, the actually the Chinese did this really well. When If you watch a lot of Chinese movies, especially like the old Kung Fu movies, there's mm -hmm. always that initial conflict where the hero comes in conflict with the quote unquote lower level villain. He's like the like the like the the lower level boss. Oh, I want to. I'm ex trying to extort money from your grandfather's store. Well, I don't think that's fair. Well, I don't care what you think. And suddenly there's a, that that low level conflict. Right. Then the next, you know, so then they resolve that conflict. You're not going to take money from my grandfather anymore because I just beat you up. Here okay, comes great. the next guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then and then of course then you realize that that person was actually part of a much larger organization. And that character now is in a larger world. So when you think about your story, think of it as a series of circles. So the first time you start that story is that you're in a very small circle, which is the immediate vicinity of your main character. It's their family. It's mm -hmm. their friends. And then once you've resolved that initial conflict around that small circle, suddenly now you can open up the world. And they realize that the it's threat broader. is actually There's more is much larger. Yeah, now yeah. you introduce new characters, you introduce that next level of conflict. Suddenly the stakes are raised. And before it was, I'm defending my family's honor. Now it is, oh my goodness, now I'm defending my family's life. Then it's, it's my community's life. Then it is my nation's life. Maybe it's your world. I mean, this is where you kind of see that story get larger and larger and larger as you go. Marvel did this wonderfully when they did their initial um, the Marvel movies. When you think when you think about Iron Man, what was Iron Man really about? Iron Man was about one man facing his own inner demons and coming to terms with his legacy. That's yeah, where, what that where, was. 
where all of his development was going was helping causing wars and everything else. And then by the end of it, you got him teaming up with another group, you know, which the thing is, I noticed a lot of, a lot of, uh, especially in the hero stories, you've got that small element, like that first, you know, conflict. And then after that first conflict, you have that moment where the next guy coming along beats down your hero. So your hero has to re rise up, you know, and like, from from the ashes so to speak and then come to be an even bigger hero which same thing happened with iron man as he came to be you know uh, a much larger character after he had been beaten down and he had to recreate that thing that put into his chest while he was being captured there as a you know being made to make whatever it was i don't remember what it was in the original movie but oh the uh yeah the the, the arc reactor thing in his chest exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so then beyond that and then all of a sudden you've got um the dude with the fist that comes along and try to destroy the entire world. You know, I, I see that element develop there and I see what you're talking about. That's really. So, yeah. And, and so that is a, so in my mind as a author, mm-hmm. that's what you should really shoot for in your story is that you want to develop a larger story over time, mostly to give your audience a chance to react and actually accommodate the fact that their world itself has gotten larger at the same time. So do you think he did that when they were doing the Iron Man thing? Did he already know about the storyline of Thanos and all that? Yeah. Mind you, that's where I was listening to you before because you were like, well, write your last chapter first. I'm like, did all that tie together? That's a lot of thought. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's that's a road to do. They became the ideal. They became perfect. They became the most powerful thing in the world. There was no need for further conflict because nothing could defeat that person. Put a cap on it. Exactly. Yeah. That, like if, if they had done the Matrix and ended it there, they were done. So when you're developing your characters, if you make your character, well, let's just say you want to write it, you want to write a superhero movie. When the superhero defeats the last villain, there's nothing left for that hero to do. You have told your entire story. But then you do that in act one. Well, now all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a second. I've got a great hero. I can't think of a villain that's actually going to challenge him. Like, what do I create that's going to create appropriate conflict? Where's your Moriarty? And, <laughs> and that's your, and, and that's where, yeah, exactly. That's, that's perfect. So, I mean, if you think about it, Superman wouldn't be Superman without Lex Luthor. Batman wouldn't be Batman without the Joker. And the one attribute in both of those cases is that even though they defeated the villain, they never killed the villain. The villain never went away. They always figured out a way to make that villain more menacing the next time around. Because Superman, supposedly perfect, like there's no way you can defeat Superman. But Lex Luthor was the person that made Superman actually greater. So I would I would put out a recommendation to all anybody that's looking to get into that kind of protagonist antagonist view. You need an antagonist that can be scary, can be smart, can be threatening, no matter what happens. And actually, you mentioned Moriarty. Moriarty is a perfect example of the other side of the coin of Sherlock Holmes, the evil version of Sherlock Holmes, as smart, able to anticipate. But that also just did not happen. They created that character. That character developed over time. So think about that when you're writing, that you have this narrative story. You you will get your character from point A to point Z. But along the way, you need to make sure that there is enough pushback to that character to show that there's a threat, that there's drama, that there is a reason why that character has to continue to struggle because if everything is an easy button then what's the point of the story do you think you it's know, as just, important oh. do you think it's as important to have uh like a a villain be as relatable as the hero is like a, a, an element where the where the person watching the show can go and feel kind of connected or even kind of like envy or like the villain in ways because it seems to be uh, kind of a big deal in a lot of the modern movies is that they almost make the villains hero-like, if that makes any sense. Oh, it does. And yeah. I – so I have, a, I have a saying that I use a lot of times, which is 
the villain is always the hero of their own story. So if you're writing a really good villain, you write them from the perspective of what they're doing. They're not doing because they're evil. They're not doing it because they want to be bad. They're doing it because they have a motivation that is opposite of your hero, but is just as right in their mind. Thanos, great example, believed that what he was doing was the right thing. And he was doing it to save the universe. Was it moral? No, of course not. It wasn't. I mean, it was the most horrible thing that he could possibly do. Mm. But he believed it. And as you got to know him, you could actually sympathize. You could say, okay, I can see where this is coming from. I can see why he wants to do this. That's why I'm I'm so against like mustache mustache twirling villains, because when you have people who are just evil, yeah, why would you yeah, why would you you, yeah, why would you sympathize with them now? Interestingly enough, when you watch The Dark Knight, another great movie where you have the Joker, who is supposedly evil, but when you actually get into his motivation, it's him wanting to show the hypocrisy of society. It's Jack they, Napier. That, that people claim to be people claim to be good, but when the chips are down, they will only look for, out for themselves. So in a way, you could actually turn that whole movie around and say that Joker was actually the good guy because he's actually pointing out the overall, not just the corruption of the villains. The hypocrisy the, of, the vil- of the hero. But yeah, but uh, of, of, you know, of, um, of Harvey Dent, of Batman, that these are people who are not willing to do what's, ne- what's necessary to get the job done. And that comes back to the narrative arc, which is you have two sides of the same coin going after diametrically opposed goals you know each one wants to do different things but they're sympathetic you're you sympathize with the hero the villain and i wouldn't even call him the villain it's just the antagonist it's the person fighting against your character (laughs) they also have i would say a legitimate goal and there are people that are going to say you know what that person if they won it would be okay A, a great example is so let's just take the the person fighting against authoritarian an authoritarian government they end up being opposed by a government agent that government agent believes in in law and order that the only way that our society can progress the only way to keep people safe is to maintain the peace these rebels are breaking the peace they're killing people they're blowing up buildings that you know for them from that righteousness of law and order they can be they're the good guy you know if if you are if you believe in that and and that's what your kind of mythos is that person is like wow yeah i i want them i actually think they're right like these people over here don't know anything um so and again we've kind of drifted off because i think this this is all part of the creative process mm-hmm. is you do need to have something to push back against your hero sounds like is thrawn going- to me yeah, that oh god, that another great character. Actually, it's yeah. funny. I I I based some of what I've written on on him as well, because sometimes that motivation doesn't come out initially. Like when you introduce your villain or your your antagonist, they will come off sometimes as oh well, that's obviously the bad guy. But it's when you have the interactions, and I think in some cases it's actually good to kind of turn the camera around and actually sh- start telling the story from their point of view. So. I've done it a couple of different ways where, and especially audio, dra- audio dramas, you can do this, is that you can actually tell parallel stories. You can have scenes with your protagonist. You can have scenes with your antagonist. You can tell two sides of the same story to show that different perspective. So don't limit yourself to everything has to be the hero said, the hero said, the hero did. Oh, and, and their friends did this and whatever. It's like, no, show the other side of that. That's actually a much more compelling story in my mind because then you've got this idea of, Oh, that's why they're doing this. Um, there's a uh, a good example. When I was, I used to read a lot of um, when they did role playing. There was always this uh, alternative worlds, and it was the it was GURPS, GURPS mm-hmm. alternative worlds. And so you had the villain, which is Centrum, and you have the heroes, which are which are your people. And when you read the guides, one of the things they talk about is that, or or to make it more interesting, was that Centrum, who was um, again, the bad guys, 
we're trying to stop our people from traveling to all of these alternate worlds because every time we did so, we were damaging the space-time continuum. So we were actually ultimately the bad guys because we were harming the fabric of the universe and they were trying to stop us. All of a sudden, the story is now completely different. Right, because the bad guy, bad guy is yeah, now the good guy. The good guy is now the bad guy. Right, and and now you're telling the story from a couple of different perspectives. So in my mind, you know, okay, so kind of running back to to the way the process should really work within reason, because again, everybody's process is going to be different. Is you have a germ of an idea, okay? That that's how everything starts. You're just not going to create characters from scratch. You're going to watch a movie. You're going to read a book. You're going to play a video game. You have something's got to inspire you. Yeah, something's going to inspire you. So you have this idea of what you want to do. Step one. Great. You have your idea. What are your characters? Who do you want to live in this world? Now, again, and I think one of the things that you need to state is that there are millions of people potentially in this world. Focus on a dozen at, to start. And actually, I would say maybe first, start with your hero. And that hero could be a villain. Yeah, you know, but start with your protagonist. Develop them. Give them life. Then the world that they live in. Then the antagonist. Who are they going to be fighting against? Then start developing the idea of the overall story. What is the arc that you want them to be a part of? And ultimately, what are they going to accomplish? And then that's where you kind of write the ending of the story. Then go back to the beginning. And then decide how you're going to start creating conflict. So how does this conflict start? How does your protagonist take that first step? And I would I would put it out there to anyone that's an aspiring writer is develop your character. Walk me through what they do in the morning. When they get out of bed, what did they do? Make me want to learn more about this character through quirky personality traits. You know, maybe it's a, uh, you know, the guy likes to drink orange juice, but he puts... You know, peanut An butter on his it. waffles. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, I mean, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't have to be completely weird, but but what is it about him or her or them that is going to make me be interested in that character? And it's just the little things. It it could be something that you mention once, and it comes back four episodes later, or maybe four chapters later, that becomes interesting. Um, you know, a good example is uh, maybe they carry a, a pocket knife with them. You know, just, just mention it in passing. Every little detail that you create in that first chapter or that first few paragraphs or that first episode can potentially lead to something later on. So it's another like way to... knife having meaning. Right. And it's not just, oh, that pocket knife showed up, showed up out of nowhere. You've actually placed that pocket knife in a particular place for a particular reason so that it becomes relevant later on. So that's part of the process. And what I would say is, don't be afraid to write organically because you know where you need to end up, but don't feel like you're riding on railroad tracks. Feel like you're actually walking through a forest and you can go right, left, straight ahead. You can go diagonal and take your character where you feel like he needs to go. Or she, or or them, or it. It's important, yeah. Or or it, or it. I mean, it could be a robot. You're, you're, could be a <laughs> robot as well. But I think that's very important when you're considering the entire writing process, which is so many people think that it needs to be prescriptive. You need to write so many words, so many pages. Believe in the organics of writing, which is stream of consciousness from your mind within the confines that you've created. You've created characters. You've created an environment, and you've created a goal. Within that, there's no reason where you, why you can't go wild and go in 20 different directions and edit. Editing is also extremely important because a lot of times I will write, I'll write out 20 pages, and I'll go back and I'll be like, you know what? I really don't like this scene. I may scrap 90% of it and, and just leave one or two paragraphs that I really like and then start building it from there. So... Great example, and I think people will appreciate this, is sometimes you will over-explain. 
because you will want to describe every little detail about what's going on. What color is the sofa? How many cushions does it have? Where's the TV? What is my character doing? They're sitting down and they grab the remote and they turn the TV on. And I'm literally explaining every single detail about what that character is doing in a particular scene. And then I realize all I have to do is say that my character sat down and watched TV. That's it. That's all I had to do because I'm relying on the audience's imagination to build the scene for me. They're, they're painting their own picture. They are painting their own picture. And if you've created a good character, they know what that character looks like. You've created a setting. They know approximately what the setting is. And if you say, oh, I walked into my friend's house. I sat down on the couch and I turned on the TV. You don't need to describe what color the couch is. You don't need to describe what they're watching on TV. You're putting them in that scene. Mm -hmm. And then something's going to happen. You know, my character walked in. They sat down on, on TV. My friend comes in and says, Hey, how's it going? Suddenly there's a gunshot. Story. Window breaks. You know, it, you know, and then at that point you you've now used basically one or two paragraphs to get you then into an action scene. And then you start describing and there's things that are going on. Um, I think there's also I think if we're going to describe how you're going to do it, there's your traditional storytelling, which is your writing, mm -hmm. which is you have you have a a a completely independent narrator you just have a narration of what's going on there's no motivation behind the narration it's just describing what's going on the um and then you know so then you're he said he said she said this happened this happened that's your traditional story if you're looking at it more of as an audio drama you've got a couple of different ways to do it which is a hybrid which is your narration plus voice acting so when you're describing a scene as soon as you can, you dump into a voice actor. You know, the, you know, I as a narrator, for instance, will describe a scene, but then immediately the conversation starts up between two or three different characters. Raider 1 says this, Raider 2 says this, Raider 3 says this, and then it, it, it kind of progresses. The other one is, and this goes completely traditionally audio drama, there's no narration at all. It's literally just people talking. This so goes right into know, scene. Yeah just goes right into scene and they're describing through their words what's going on so um do, as a listener as opposed to a writer which one of those do you prefer the most i like the idea of how you do it with the narration element kind of setting the stage and then it goes into the actors i mean i obviously i prefer that because that's what i do yeah. um but i've also seen it um done very successfully with nothing but voice actors literally just you go into a scene the music actually so what they usually do is that there'll be a musical intro and it's not necessarily like a when i say musical intro it's not a song necessarily but it's a it's like the the, the music is setting is setting the scene mm -hmm. like a, uh, almost like a intro to a to a show without the lyrics or without the actual verbiage it's right, just kind right. of a dun 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 Yes. And, and if you, if you listen to a lot of the old radio dramas, that's exactly what they did. Like the old um, Gunsmoke, mm -hmm. it would be, and, and, and it could also be sound effects. So you could hear horses come in and then you know that someone's riding into town and there's the background of people walking around and everything. And then you hear somebody get off the horse and now suddenly they go into their dialogue. Right, and, right. and that can be great. The challenge there is you're so reliant on sound effects to create this vision in the audience's mind about what's going on. Now, in some cases, it's easy. It's like there's a gunfight. Okay, you hear a bunch of gunshots. You hear people going, oh, I've been hit or whatever, you know, and that drives a bit of the, you know, that drives the story. But it can be very difficult. It can be very time intensive. The reason that I add narration is that I'm attempting to set the generalities of the scene. I'm trying to create that picture in the person's mind so that when the dialogue picks up, they understand what's going on. And at least just give them just a snapshot, not right. too much, not too little, just a little snapshot and then let the rest kind of develop from their own mind. Right. And what I would say too is as you're writing your story, don't be afraid to write a couple of standalone. Actually, I wouldn't even say a couple. I would say just write 
as a way to help you as the author understand your characters better, just write very short stories about what that person's doing. And so I was thinking about your wayward stories mm-hmm. is that the sometimes it's just you sit down and you write. It's a it's a Wednesday night. You know, the wayward's really quiet. Um, group of scabbers come in. They've decided that they're going to order a bunch of alcohol and they really want to get drunk. And, you know, the wayward, you know, the people at the wayward don't want a bunch of drunk people in their place on a Wednesday night. So that's actually your conflict. You have, you know, a bunch of people that want to have a good time. They're like, oh, you know, it's the middle of the week. We're kind of tired. We don't want to deal with these people. So how do you, how do you resolve that? And that can be resolved in like two pages, you know, Mm -hmm. very quick, very easy. But you've started to develop a, an idea of what else is going on with your characters that ultimately could be incorporated into a larger story. So, right. right. I, yeah. I, I, my mind's already doing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's like, uh, so one thing I would like, and this is something I literally just thought of off the top of my head regarding the wayward is what happens when the house band gets sick. And, and they have to find another band somewhere in Appalachia to come in and, and perform. How do they do that? You know, do they just recruit people off the street? Is there Are there actually other traveling bands that they can bring in? Is there are a they bar cons- nearby that they could actually go to and say, hey, you know, hey, Valeria, is there any way we can borrow the band from your bar? Maybe we can do a little trade, a little this. I mm-hmm. could see the, the interactions of, you know, uh, dealing with the wayward and being in that area. You know, there's obviously going to be some sort of uh, a bar over in the White Springs that, you know, those people interact with. So that would be a logical direction to go considering the um, direction from the wayward. Yeah, I I can just see it. Well, here's a serious. So here's another interesting kind of view of that, which is so looking at like the Blues Brothers movie when they get they end up kind of conning their way into a (laughs) to a country bar to mm. play music and they ask I love that scene <laughs> what kind of music do you what kind of music do you guys play here and like oh we we love all kinds of we, we love all kinds of or, or what was it we love both or we we love both kinds country and western you know and that's like yeah. country and western were like the two two things of music that they love so imagine if you're in your bar and you bring in a replacement group and they don't play the kind of music that you're used to so how do you resolve that conflict? So don't think when you're writing a story, don't think that conflict has to be world changing. Mm. Think of conflict as solving a problem. And that problem can be funny. It can be scary. It can be sad. It can be happy. I mean, it, there's so much that you can do with it. And I would say that don't feel like you have to write war and peace because it's not really like that. It's about, because at the end of the day, it's the if you can take a character and you can take that character at the beginning of the story, and at the end of the story, that character has grown, they've expanded, you like them better, they've done something really cool. That's interesting. That's it sounds something, something that people... it sounds familiar to what I've been told in uh, conversational uh, coaching is uh, is hanging in the tension is what they call it. And it's you, you, so a lot of the times you'll have people in conversation, especially in, uh, in conflict elements, like the, say, you know, two people like talking about religion or politics or something of that nature, there's that tension there. And mm-hmm. sometimes they, what they try to do is they're try, always trying to explain the tension away. And instead of doing that, find out your majors and your minors and then hold in that tension and it creates a better conversation. You know, right. it, What's your what's your major conflict? What's your minor conflict? And then if it's a minor conflict, well, you don't really need to explain it away as much as you want to find a commonality between the two and hold in that tension. And it creates for a better conversation. Yeah. yeah. So I could see how that would work in a story arc as well. That, that, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Hold that tension there. Yeah. And don't be and don't be afraid to like, as you said, minor conflict, there can actually be minor, I think, medium and high conflict. Don't be afraid to resolve conflict within, you know, some period of time, whether it's a number of chapters, whether it's a number of episodes, because you can then tell multiple stories within your main story. And as long as you keep moving the main narrative forward, because what people don't like is when you just kind of sit and you keep telling the same story over and over again, and you're not really getting anywhere. 
imagine it's like you're in the desert and you keep kind of going in circles and you end up at the same place every single time. That's not very interesting. However, if you can kind of tell a expanding series of, of circles where you're moving the narrative forward, you're resolving conflict that's getting you to the next step. That's what you should be shooting for. People want to know what's going on in the world, but also don't get lost in it. Don't think that you have to tell every single story. Make everything just make sense. Yeah, and, and not everything that, has to be resolved. You can actually have a conflict that never really ends too. And I was sitting there thinking about that is like, so you got this like major storyline, like you got your character and he's got this major thing going on. Well, he comes back home to his little apartment and there's this mouse in his apartment and it drives him nuts. And mm -hmm. he's always trying to catch this damn mouse and he can't seem to catch this mouse. So he gets, a, you know, a, an okay night's sleep, but something happens that's kind of funny with the mouse. And then he goes on to his major storyline and he goes and handles all these crazy things somewhere else. And then you don't hear about this mouse for like, you know, an hour's worth of story dark and everything goes on and he goes through all these conflicts and he makes this major victory and the world is saved. Yay. He comes back to his apartment. He goes to go to sleep. And then here comes that mouse. <laughs> right. That, that's actually, you know what I, I will say, I, I'm actually almost upset that I didn't think of that because that's brilliant. It's that little quirk, that little thing that makes that character interesting because you know when he goes home, like he may have just saved the world. He's gonna go home and be like, that All right, I'm, I'm gonna deal off. with I'm gonna deal with this mouse. <laughs> and and then he can't. And mm. it's it's actually the little things like that that add to character development because mm. then you're like, because then you think, well, is he really trying to catch the mouse or is this just kind of his way of letting off steam? Like it, I mean that that's actually so that goes back to, again, I think my original premise, which is if you develop really great characters, you will find the story that those characters want to be a part of because you can't force it. It does have to grow because your story is – because even as your characters are going through this story, things are going to happen to them that they have to react to. Like we go through life, mm. and like if I get in a car accident tomorrow, I won't. I'm not getting in the car tomorrow. Just going to say that. That happens to them. They have to deal with it. Their friend dies. That's something they have to deal with. Your characters have to show growth as they continue to go through. Otherwise, they've gotten to the end of their journey. And what did they really learn? Like, what happened to them that made them who they are? Better, worse, or... Yeah, yeah and, and actually, I would even say just made them who they are. And if you can treat your characters that way, and tell that really cool, compelling story. And and again, the format is, is almost inconsequential because I think you can tell these stories in a lot of different ways. I think it's more about, about the creators actually creating and letting themselves be greater than who they are. Meaning, when, when I say that, it's not allowing themselves to be tied into this rigid little box of, oh, well, this is how a story is written. It's like, no. You look at the most successful creators out there, the, the authors that people follow, they all broke the mold. Everyone told the story the way they wanted to tell it. And they told it in such a way that people were really interested in that. And that's what I think is incredibly important in this entire process is at the end of the day, you are creating something for people to consume. Make it the best that you possibly can and do it in a way that is interesting and exciting and sad and happy and and i mean i want to read a book or listen to something that's going to make me happy and mad and and just feel emotion mm -hmm. i want to be that's... pissed enough to throw the book kind of thing you know yeah oh, oh, I, I mean and, and i've done that for a couple of different reasons but you know I, I, the, the, the best ones are uh something really something happens to a character that i've invested in and i feel sad for them you know, something really bad happens, and I literally feel it in my gut. That's what you should strive for. But if you force it, it's not going to work. You live your character the same way that you live your life. You're going to experience as highs and lows. And you're going to take them on their own journey. Do it well and be honest about it. Don't feel like you have to go in a certain direction only because you want to or, or because you feel like you have to. This is your story. 
So if you need to branch, if, oh, you know, I, I, I really, I was going to, I'll give you another example. So there's a character in my story, uh, Sergeant Muller, guy who's been in the wasteland for 25 years, hard-bitten veteran, and I literally was just going to kill him. Like, there was a point in the story where I was just going to kill him off. That would have been a shame because he's hard as nails. I like his character, actually. Yeah, and I got <laughs> to the point where I was like, no, I really like this character. I need to do more with him. I need to give him his own story. I need to give him his own resolution that I can live with. So even throwaway characters that you start to develop, as you see them interact in your own world, you may decide that you want to do more with them, and they suddenly become integral parts of your own story. Uh, another example is Stein, uh, another major character in my story, didn't even exist when I started writing this. I literally had to shoehorn, shoehorn him in, and suddenly he's like the third major character in my story, yeah, and I love him to death, and... So really in looking at all of this, my one chief takeaway that I would love everyone who listens to this is write what you feel. That's the most important. Don't limit yourself, even if it's just stream of consciousness. What are two people going to say to each other? What do you think that conversation would look like? And just let it develop. And you may get to where you want to be, or you may find out that wow, there's so much more here. There's more I can explore. There's more I can tell. The story suddenly gets bigger. And I'm really liking this. This is making a lot of sense to me. So start small, get big, know where you're going, love your characters, treat your audience with respect, show, don't explain. And at the end of the day, just have fun. That's like the most important thing in all of this is that no one writes because it's a job. We do it because we love it. We do it because we want a story out stories. there in the world. Yeah, yeah. We, want, we just want to tell somebody about our little story that's in our head, you know, yes. and we're trying to find a way to get it out there. You know, I, I'm that way a lot. And a lot of times I'm like, I don't know where to begin. And that's why this stuff is so compelling to me. Um, so is there anything that you're doing right now new that you would like to share? You have anything going on? Well, I mean, obviously the the podcast, so the Modus uh -huh. Files, is going extremely well. We are in the second half of our second season, so we have another seven episodes to go. That's going extremely well. Um, that story is getting bigger, and again, it's actually going even in different directions than I expected. We're we're actually funny enough. We are actually beyond where I originally wrote, so we are literally at the end of the original story that I put together before the podcast started. Everything that I'm writing now, I am literally writing from scratch. I know where we have to end up, but every episode is me sitting on my computer and writing one scene after the other to try to move this story forward. That's amazing. So, so it's it, it's an exciting process. It, it's also, quite frankly and honestly, terrifying. <laughs> of because, course. Because, you know, but I will say... This is actually part of it that's making me really excited about this whole project. And we want to see this project move forward. We're gonna we're actually thinking about a couple of miniseries that we want to put together. Good. Um, I got some more acting I need to do. <laughs> yes, actually, I need it. Well, yes, you you absolutely do. Um, <laughs> just from a you know, and, and that's really what we're focused on right now is just trying to get through the rest of the season and see where season three is going to take us. I think season three may be the last of the Modus Files um, episodes. We may, we will, we won't stop though. We have many other stories that we want to tell, but That's that great. is, yeah. but that is our focus right now. Awesome. Um, socials, anything you, you know, like how, how, how do they get a hold of you? How do they, how do they find the Modus Files? Mind you, it's pretty easy guys. So you just type, <laughs> them, type the Modus Files into Spotify or any of your favorite podcatchers and things like that, and you'll find the Modus Files. It's quite really easy, but yeah. So our website's easy. It's just themodusfiles.com. We're very active on Twitter, which is at Modus Files. Uh, we try to put three or four tweets out every day. We talk about the podcast. We talk about the community. We do a lot of work with with other creators as well. Love to participate in podcasts like this. Uh, then also, again, you can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple. 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, which is again, just Modus Files. We make it really easy. Uh, if any of you are actually in, or if any of you play Fallout 76, we're actually also in very yeah. active in the You'll community find us there. in game too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find, find us in games. We're on Xbox. You can, you know, gamer tag is Modus Files. No problem. Love to, love to host anyone that, that comes out there. But, you know, really, we just want to contribute to the community. And that community has become very expansive. We love people. We love to help other creators. And we want people to be able to ultimately create because there's so yeah. many great, great ideas out there. Your ideas deserve for people to see them. So don't feel like that you need to limit yourself. Absolutely. Thank you, Lawrence, for giving me your time once again and for being a mentor to all of my endeavors. You know, if it wasn't for you and a few others, uh, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. You know, you guys have uh, sparked my interest in getting back into this world. And uh, I have to say, ever since I did, it's been go, go, go. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate you. And I thank you for that. Um, everybody, like you said, uh, that's going to wrap up our show today. And please, you know, once again, like, subscribe, write me a review. Uh, whatever platform you, you listen to, you can find me on there. Uh, you can find me on all major platforms, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, just like uh, Lawrence here in the Modus Files. Uh, then if you have any questions or comments, you can contact uh, my show on C, uh, excuse me, at C Creators Guide on Twitter or uh, email using the C Creators Guide at gmail.com. And thank you for joining us. Keep creating. Bye bye. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts. Podcasts.